It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. But I want to start the programme this morning with the news that Gardaí are yet again appealing for witnesses after a female pedestrian in her 70s died following a collision with a lorry. The incident happened at about a quarter to four yesterday afternoon on the main street in Charleville. Yet another tragic death on this street. Joining me, Charleville-based uh, councillor Ian Doyle. Good morning to you, Ian. Good morning, Patricia. No, such, I'm very well. Such a sad yeah. loss uh, for oh, this lady's uh, family. I mean, we yes. begin by offering deeper sympathies. Desperate, desperate decision. Could I just, on behalf of the people travelling personally, uh, offer sympathies to the Lyons family on the death of Margaret? It's, it's tragic. And also to Pat Galpin's family, uh, just only a fortnight ago here in the, the exact same spot in the Ministry of Travel. I would also just like to maybe... Patricia, at this point, uh, compliment the, the guardie and the fire brigade and the first responders and the doctors and the witnesses that have witnessed these accidents just totally by accident. You know, uh, it is a traumatic time for them. And, you know, it, it, my heart goes out to everyone and just thank them for their, their service. Yeah, and I believe, you know, yet again, it was civilians and, and you know, ordinary the, the ordinary decent people of Charleville who were out directing traffic immediately right. after it happened. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you know, Patricia, you know, with the economic growth of the area and with the, um, with, with the you, you know, out of COVID, there's approximately 15,000 vehicles going through Charleville on a daily basis now. You know, so certainly traffic is a huge problem. And, and how so, how are people reacting locally? Well, there's a huge uh, amount of sadness. Is is there also anger building um, in the Charleville area? Not, there is, because traffic is a huge problem for us, Patricia. And, you know, I'm not just saying this, but little did I know, yesterday morning at the Northern Region, I had a motion in for traffic coming measures to be improved urgently by Cork County Council on the N20 uh, going through Charleville Town. We have five pedestrian crossings uh, on the main street there in Charleville between the, the between the southern and the northern end, and you know I I was calling on Cork County Council to upgrade that, those pedestrian crossings, to put in tabletop ramps on the crossings, and to reline those crossings, and that has all been discussed, and we were discussing that, and this is anyway two hours later there would there would be another accident after coming down from Mallow. Uh, traffic is is a huge problem, Patricia, and there's no question about it. And I, what I am doing now, and I was on the phone to all, all morning to different people, and I, I don't think I, I, I end this now, but there is an urgent need for the re- relief road, which has been in our county development plan of this current one and the past one, to be put in place. You yeah, know, it feels like we've been talking about it um, yeah. for, for, dec- for decades. And I, is it in the current development plan? It, 
is in the current development plan, Patricia. It is, and I put in a submission before the current development plan that would would we reactivate that. Now, I suppose the problem in that well, it's not a problem, but the biggest thing is that the the, the concentration on Charleville, Butterfield, and Croom has been the M20, and you know, I suppose that was the only show in town, you know, and there was a route selection decided, and the route selection is going to the west. But we, you know, all everything going to plan the M20 will not happen for the next 15 or 20 years. And that's a fact, you know. I mean, it'll take a year yeah, and a half. There's no point saying we'll wait for the motorway because that's simply all. too far off. It, it, it's going to take a year and a half for it to go to Borplanola. God, I mean, who knows what's going to happen then. And then it is a seven-year construction. So I think that what we need to do is to re-energise that relief road for Charles. And, you know... I, and is, I, is it funding? Is it down to funding? Well, it, is, it is down to funding. It is down to funding. There's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, but Cor- we're hearing that the government are awash with money. Is this well, not I, something that they could really invest no, in? No, they, they, they do. And hopefully I've been on to Deputy Michael Monaghan this morning and Jack Chambers, Minister Jack Chambers, is in charge of the road allocation for the Transport Authority. And I'm asking Michael Monaghan to set up an urgent meeting with Jack Chambers and Cork County Council to look at funding for this relief road. It, it, it's but even, even if the funding yeah. was to come through today, there would yeah. be a time lag no for, wh- for when that road would be built and before no. people would be driving on it. No, so no. in the meantime... Something has to be done has to, to be. make the main street safer. Yeah, we just need to, and like if my proposal yesterday that the, the, the five pedestrian crossings be upgraded and put tabletops, you know, tabletop ramps, something similar that's in Butterfield, you know, yeah, uh, that would at least slow down the traffic. Uh, there's also rural regeneration that Charleville has been allocated and there is a tabletop provision uh, going exactly where that accident did happen, you know. So, uh, but you know, unfortunately, what about the pedestrian crossings? Are they not working effectively? They, uh, they are working, but unfortunately, and I do it myself. Uh, we don't use them, you know. And that's, I suppose, there's an education side of that as well, you know. Um, but there are five, as I say, from the from the Cork side to the Limerick side. There are two within the vicinity of those accidents, but you know, I, I suppose. We have to look at the positions of the pedestrian crossings as well. There's a natural flow from our car park and plaza maybe across the road and maybe the pedestrian crossing is maybe in the wrong way, but we'll certainly have to get engineers to have a look at that. What uh, about somebody saying, what about the perpendicular parking on the main street? That, that, is, a, that is an issue. That is an issue. There's no, I suppose, from, from an economic point of view, everyone is saying that we're, we've great parking in Charville and Charville Town. But when an incident like that happens yesterday... Um, are we are we making our main street narrower and maybe unnecessarily narrower? You know, yeah. and do we sacrifice car parking for for to make our main street wider? Unfortunately, Patricia, and well, it would know, make it safer. Stop it people being safer. killed. It would. No question about it. No question about it. Uh, the, the the irony, like speed, is not the issue here because, as you know, Patricia, driving a car or a lorry. There is a crawl going down to the town of Charleville. The, the traffic is so bad there. But certainly, um, you know, the, the visibility of, of those uh, Arctic lorries and HGVs is, is limited when you're up beside them. And unfortunately, the last two accidents, that is what has happened. Uh, again, whenever we mention Charleville, we'll have somebody asking about the traffic lights at Aldi. Somebody yes. is going to get knocked down and even killed yes. trying to cross the road. What's the update on that? But what the update on that is, we've got down uh, Invertec, which is the, the, the people that are servicing them. They've decided that they're antiquated and they're too old. So what they have done is they've, they've put them on flashing. But now, like everything else, you have to be local to know that the flashing means stop, you know. So what they have done is uh, ordered a stop-go system there and that will be in place in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. 
Okay, okay, and hopefully uh, you, yeah. you won't be back on with me in another well, few weeks, and we'll be discussing another tragedy. No, it, uh, you know it is tragedy, and I, I, I you know, I, I can, I can't, but say it is tragic for the town and tragic for every one of us. And my heart goes out to the families. Okay, all right. Listen, okay. uh, we leave it there, Ian. Thank you for that, and uh, thank thanks for joining us uh, on the program. Somebody else is saying if they don't put traffic lights on the crossing in Mill Street. Uh, somebody will die there as well. Enough is enough. Eileen and Fomoy were not referencing that really, really tragic uh, accident in Charleville yesterday is making the point that in her own town of Charleville, she's, she watches people crossing the road. You need to be so careful if you're crossing in front of any large truck or HGV, any large uh, lorries, because the drivers can have blind spots and they may not be able to, uh, to see you. People need to be so uh, careful when they are crossing the road and that's uh, right uh, across every city uh, city and town uh, and village in this uh, in this country and Jim in Ballyhay feels that this region of North Cork is forgotten about Um, he said look at the Cork to Limerick Road how long have we been talking about that motorway and then he said only last Friday a truck overturned at the Burnford Junction and the entire section of that road had to be closed off with all of the traffic diverted now bearing in mind it was Friday evening which is always probably one of the busiest days and times on the road all the traffic had to be diverted onto the old Cork Road via Mornabi. This is a back road. It simply isn't good enough. The drivers are forced to drive on back roads to go from one city to another. Yet other cities are connected by motorways. Uh, more people will be killed with lack of infrastructure in the North Cork uh, area. And he feels it is a forgotten area. That's 0818 103 103. A reminder to you that we have a daily prize this week of tickets for you and three of your friends to go to see um, the biggest 90s and noughties disco. It's at the INEC in Killarney on Saturday the 27th of uh, May. We will be asking you a music, movie, TV kind of a trivia related question to the 90s and the noughties. We'll ask you the question a little bit later on. You'll text or WhatsApp in and then we'll make a draw and we will have one lucky listener winning tickets uh, for that person and their three friends to go to the INEC in Killarney on the 27th of May and tickets for that the biggest 90s and noughties disco are available online by going to biggestdisco.com. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. Now, yesterday morning, I spoke with the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland, Tyg Daly, who is fearful. We could see a number of private nursing homes follow the decision taken by Beaumont Residential Care to withdraw from the Fair Deal scheme at the end of this month. During my chat, I mentioned the 73 residents of this care choice home and how difficult this announcement must be on them and indeed on their families. Well, to find out how one family is reacting to the news, I'm joined by John Murphy, whose dad, Patrick, is currently a resident in uh, Beaumont. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. I'm very well and, and thank you for taking our call. Firstly, tell me a bit about your dad. How long is he a resident in Beaumont and how has he been getting on there? Okay. Uh, just to give you an idea, my dad uh, worked in CIE from 1949 to 1989, 40 years. Wow. He worked on the Cork Cove railway line and um, he retired in 1989. Uh, my mum passed away in 79, so he, he's been on his own a long time, living on his own in Cove. And he was perfectly well and healthy, living on his own till he was 96. Okay, Goodness so yes. 
Yeah, so, <laughs> like, when he went into hospital, people, I say to the nurse, he has never been in the hospital overnight before, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, no, no, you don't realise what I'm saying. You know, he has not been in hospital overnight, and it's a big fear of his. So he had a few falls, and uh, he went back living at home, but it was just getting way too stressful, and I live in Dublin. So we uh, we, got, we were advised, really, that he would have to go into care. Um, so we got the place in Beaumont Residential uh, about uh, just before his birthday, his, his 96th birthday. So he's been in there three years. Um, and obviously, very, it took him a while to adjust, but now he's really happy. The level of care is second to none. Um, he loves his room and he loves the people coming in and um, Beaumont Residential has just made his life and our life great, very easy because we don't have to worry about him anymore. I pop down every week to see him but obviously then this news came that there was a problem with the fair deal. Uh, I didn't realise that it was as big as it was until I met with them last Thursday morning. Um, so did it, did it come like a bolt out of the blue then for the family? Basically, they had communicated a few times to us saying that there was problems with funding and they were working on addressing the funding with the NTPF, the National Treatment Purchase Fund. Um, But obviously, uh, they had spent, it came to a head because they had spent nine months uh, trying to get a reasonable deal for the cost of living increase. Uh, which obviously we all realise there's been a huge increase in cost of living over the last couple of years. But uh, the private uh, residential care places like Care Choice are all being paid what they were paid in 2019, for example, which doesn't cut the mustard anymore. So uh, Beaumont asked us to pay that little bit extra towards the care, just a percentage, just to cover the ESB bills and stuff, which we did. Um, but uh, the National Treatment Purchase Fund didn't uh, respond to them and eventually offered them 16 euros per person uh, per week uh, uh, per resident, right? Whereas they were giving um, 183 per resident per week in their own uh, care homes in... um, the HSE. The HSE care home. Yeah, yeah like when, in, when, in. I, when we spoke with Tyg Daly yesterday and he, and he was, you know, laying out the figures, it just seemed e- extraordinary. And, yeah. and the gap, and I know because we've spoken about it before, there was always a gap between what a HSE uh, pay for a resident in a HSE home versus what they yeah, pay in a private... 600 euros. 600 it and, it, and it's yeah. now gone to 800 euro, the difference. Yes, yeah, because, because they got an extra. So they were getting 600 euros uh, more all the time, and now they get an extra one hundred and eighty-three. So when you think of it, both people like Beaumont, they weren't getting the extra six hundred, and they were only offered sixteen euros, whereas they were giving their own care homes one hundred and eighty-three. So that's when I realised, you know, it, this is not Beaumont being greedy. They're losing money, and they have been losing money for the last nine months. The problem exists that the National Treatment Purchase Fund is not fit for purpose, and we don't know who's in charge of it. It seems to be the um, HSE. But, like, it just means that, like, I could have to go to my father at the end of this month and say, Dad, you know, you have to move somewhere because we can't afford your care, and that'll kill him. Do you know what I mean? And it's not just about my dad. like there's thousands of people yeah, like yeah. this is not just going to happen in Beaumont it's going to happen everywhere if this isn't addressed 
And really, I mean, we all know because we're all paying our electricity bills and gas bills. And, we and know. The, and the, yeah. yeah, the very nature of nursing homes. I mean, the minute you go yeah. into a nursing home, it's the one thing to matter. The heating is on. It's on yeah, in the yeah. summer. It's always co- yeah. toasty and warm. And it has to be to look after. That. So you can just imagine the size of their heating bills. They've got to be astronomical yeah. at this stage. Yeah. And, and the problem is that the shareholders in care choice just can't see an end to having to lose money on 50% of the residents. Um, so from them, like, they, they had to come to a very difficult decision. And when I met with them, they were very understanding. And they're saying, look, we just have to do this to highlight our place because we're going to go bust, you know, uh, as are all. The, and that's what was going to happen if nothing is done. They're all going to pull out a fair deal. Where are all these people going and to then go? The, and you're talking, yeah. you could be talking a thousand elderly people that have given their life to this country, pay their taxes, and now where do you go? And your dad, I'm assuming, over three years would have built up obviously great relationships with the staff, but I imagine with yeah. some of the other residents as well. He's, you know, he's made yeah, friends. He has, his, he, he has friends um, uh, on the same floor. He he's loved by the people in there because my dad would be very functional. Uh, he's ninety nine in uh, in uh, where when uh, sorry he's ninety nine in October and uh, he's like he basically gets up in the morning, puts on his clothes, he's able to go to the loo by himself. He just gets a wash and stuff like that. So he's not really a big burden on yeah. he was never a burden on the state. He's not really a big burden on on uh, Beaumont either, but. You know, that's his routine that he's now happy to be in there. He understands he's safe. He understands that he can't live in his own anymore. And now, you know, if this isn't sorted, we're going to have to say, well, where's he going to go? And uh, and will that mean you as a family, John, having to scramble to find another nursing home that will suit your father? Worst, worst case scenario, yes. Uh, best case scenario will be that the HSE will... Uh, like move in and temporarily fund the difference till the negotiations are done. And I think that's what's hoped here, that uh, people will see sense. And um, uh, all these people won't be put out of their uh, care homes because, like when you think of it, I had life easy when he's in there because I know he's happy. We pay Mm. the extra bit that we have to do. No problem with that. But now suddenly we have two problems. Where's all the money going to come, extra money, if we have to put them in private care? And uh, where's my dad going to end up? And w- will he physically be able to take that shock? Of yeah, being well, as, again? you know, and, and as you put it very well, when, when he realised himself that he couldn't live on his own anymore, so he needed a bit of care, it took a bit of adjusting. He's now three years on. He's now three years older. As you say, he's nearly 99. Uh, yeah. So we're going to ask a 99-year-old man, you're going to need to readjust again. It's just yeah. not and fair. Like, no, it's not fair. And you see, you've got to understand, like, my dad is corpus mentis, and, uh, but he's as corpus mentis as you can be when you're that age. Uh, so, like, he would tell me when I go in and see him, oh, the CIE is paying for everything. So, I like, know, I know. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just don't, I say, oh, yeah, you just yeah. have to agree with him because that's his way. Is uh, he aware that there's a problem? No. No, Okay. Uh, I, you see, because what I, I, I've done is I would protect him from that. Now, even if I told him, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't have the problem with my dad until it would come to the day or two days before he would have to move. And then this thing would hit him like a freight train, you know, uh, because 
uh, he would just kind of turn a blind eye to it and assume it's not going to happen, you know. Um, but it's a real worry. And as I say, it was on uh, Today FM, or not Today FM, it was on 96 FM yesterday. And, like, I'm not just talking for my dad. Everybody has a father and a mother. Um, and, we like, sometimes fair deal, like, I know when we had to get it, it was a very quick thing. We, he suddenly couldn't cope on his own anymore. We were filling in these forms, getting sorted out, and, and thankfully, we were able to get a place in, you know, within 15 miles of where he lived in Cove. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, it's very difficult to get a place. And now, even if fair deal is worthless, like, uh, so you have a new group of people coming week after week that are depending on fair deal that are not in the care of homes yet. What are they going to do, you know? And we have we have an aging population, and as yeah. you say, while you're you've got this problem at the moment with with your dad, uh, you know, down the road somebody listening to this program mightn't have the issue today, but could have the issue in five years' time. Yeah, or they could be minding uh, their parents at home. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, uh, and realize, whoa, we're they need the end here. They need that we're going care. to have to put them in somewhere, and then they're going to realize, whoa, but our deal is not accepted anywhere anymore other than the HSE care home, um, which will be obviously full. Like if my dad was in St. Finbar's, he wouldn't have any problem. Yeah, you it wouldn't, wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be having this discussion. You wouldn't be having yeah. this discussion. So even at that itself is not fair. Like they run care homes themselves. They know how much this costs. And, you know, why are they screwing, uh, obviously, us and the private providers? when the coffers of the state are busting, you know? Yeah. OK, listen, fingers crossed that it'll all work out, um, well, I think John. it's so big it has to be. Yeah, uh, I think so as well. You. I think so as well. Fingers uh, crossed and pray every day. That's it, uh, John. Listen, pleasure talking to you. Give our best regards yeah. to your wonderful dad, uh, Patrick, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. No problem. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Uh, John Murphy, uh, whose dad, Patrick, is currently resident and hopefully remains a resident at Beaumont Residential Care. Now, the AA has issued guidance on the use of the new E10 petrol blend, which is on sale across the country and is set to replace E5 petrol blend by July of this year. To explain what it all means, I'm joined by Paddy Common, who's head of communications at the AA. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning. It's been a while. It has indeed. You? I'm very well, thank you. Oh, now, good, good. And the, the sun is shining. Is it shining in Dublin? It's shining in Dublin. It's lovely here. Great, yeah, and I'm, great. I'm roasted here in the office. And but a, ne- never mind. And a good weather forecast for the week. Maybe maybe summer has finally arrived. Please, God. Please now, God. this E10 petrol blend, it's all to do with helping us reduce our transport emission from what I can work out. So can you just explain what is E10 petrol blend versus E5? Yeah, so as the name suggests, the, the 10 refers to percentage. So the, the percentage is 10% of, of a so-called bioethanol. So that could be an ethanol made from various different sub, uh, you know, uh, substances. You know, generally it could be sugar beet or, or any other um, bio substance, if you like. Now, the more the higher percentage you have of that, generally the better that is then for the environment in terms of emissions. Um, so we would have had a 5% blend up till now or a couple of weeks ago anyway so um the government have decided to bring in a higher blend of ethanol so e10 so that would be up to 10 percent now for most people there's absolutely nothing to worry about and then the reason we put out this message was because there was a a little bit of misinformation going around that uh, you know well there's lots of cars that wouldn't run on this efficiently and, and there'd be all sorts of problems so 
we decided, look, we, we better dispel some of the myths. So for 99% of people listening to you now, there will be absolutely nothing to worry about. They'll go to their petrol pump as normal. They'll put in the E10, which incidentally, for, uh, legally has to be only 5.5%. And and for, for the start uh, of this, I think we're going to see very low blends of, of ethanol. So we're not going to see, uh, you know, eight, nine percent initially. It'll probably be just five or six or seven. Uh, and for the, for um, for a percentage of people, however, for, so as, as I said, for, for, uh, for the start, most people just need not worry. Um, and and it only... will it 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 it'll help with our carbon emissions, obviously. Yeah, it does. It's part of the of the drive to reduce carbon emissions. So yeah, it's 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 stepping stone. It, you know, it will have an effect, um, for sure. And uh, in other countries, France, Brazil, Germany, uh, this has been in place for for quite a long time. And in fact, even higher blends of ethanol. The UK were the probably uh, UK, and then subsequently Northern Ireland were one of the more recent, just prior to us to introduce this view. Now, the only thing is is that we have to be cautious of people who have uh, older vehicles. Now, when I say older, I mean classic cars. And in some cases, there are um, cars such as, you know, cars from the maybe 20 plus years ago, uh, which wouldn't run as if, as brilliantly um, on E10 as they would on E5. Now, when I say that, there's a big asterisk beside that because um, the, when they, it's not that the car won't work. It's not that there are any major issues with it. But in some cases, the higher blend of ethanol will affect older vehicles in, in terms of um, damaging some fuel lines and some seals. And it's particularly the case for for classic cars. So if you have, you know, if, for those enthusiasts that have. Uh, you know, their old Morris Minor or old Jaguar, they may have to start changing things like fuel lines because if they're going to habitually use this fuel. And unlike in the UK where they brought in where they brought in the E10 alongside the E5, here in Ireland from the 1st of July, you will no longer be able to buy that E5 blend. So so look, in, in, in total, most people need not worry. If they do want to check whether their car is affected and, and it's a very it's a very small handful of cars say a couple of early, a couple of Volkswagens and Audis from from the early 2000s um you know most Japanese cars are fine and and some of the petrol cars that might you know when i say affected uh, won't run as as brilliantly on the E10 as the E5 you can we have put up a, 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 an article on the aa.ie forward slash E10 so a the aa.ie forward slash E10 and, and anyone who's concerned can have a look there but what i would say to your listeners is that by and large there's no no nothing and and this. fuel economy does that suffer in any way there is it, it, it's something that we have to look at and test ourselves there there probably will be a little bit of a disimprovement but the the, the it's thought to be negligible it's thought to be you know one percent two percent now with this is something that we will have to test ourselves because we haven't um had access to to this blend but we will we will carry out as the AA, we will carry out some checks to see whether uh, there is much of a change but as i said earlier on the the blend that we're seeing initially is going to be you know, very, very low compared to, um, you know, it's not going to be nine, ten percent. It'll probably be more like six or seven percent. So, so you should see an absolutely negative difference. Yeah, and and Ted wants to know: Will diesel follow suit? He heard something about a B twelve diesel. B twelve is is something that is being talked about. We have seen it in, in some places before. I I don't. Uh, there's no official statement from uh, the department as yet as to it's the introduction of that. And in fact, they were a little bit sluggish 
um, to do the same um, to, to to bring in this fuel overall and indeed talk about it. So um, no no news from that officially as yet. Someone wants to know what about uh, electric saws and lawnmowers? Will it make any difference to a lawnmower? It, it, it would do. It depends, especially on, on newer lawnmowers. Now, we did have a look into this and it's, you know, they said that, that you know, most of the more modern ones will run on it with no issue. But yeah, there is, there is, um, there is talk that some of the older lawnmowers may be affected now. Unfortunately, I can't profess to be a lawnmower expert, okay. but, um, but we will. Uh, but it is something we, something owners of that will have to keep an eye on. Now, when I, the only advice we would give for people who, may be worried especially with the likes of lawnmowers etc is to is to uh, drain the fuel out of them if they're storing them so you know as you're running these things during the summer there should be no issue where the issues may arise would be if you left the fuel sitting in the tank so if it came to the end of of the summer and you knew you were going to weren't going to cut the grass or or trim the hedges anymore you might just drain all the fuel out of it rather than sitting in it because that's where the issues may arise the higher ethanol content it draws more water into the tanks and into the machinery and that's where the issue might might arise. and that could be the problem with the classic cars as well because people aren't driving around in them traditionally every day and they could be parked up for weeks yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's where that's where some problems can arise. Is that if you if if there was this fuel was put into the tanks and the car was parked up for six, seven, eight months, you know we're not talking about issues arising after a couple of days. So so the advice would be, especially if you are for those classic car owners. Now these these the enthusiasts generally are quite clued into to this and what's going on. But if you have one of these older cars. It, a, it can be an idea to change your your fuel lines, and you're you're not talking about thousands here. You're couple, talking about a couple of hundred euro just to change some of the rubber uh, rubber lines. Um, but if you uh, do intend to park the car up, it is an idea to to, uh, to drain the fuel or have all the fuel drained from your from your car before start. Okay, and I can't have you on without talking about petrol and uh, diesel prices. I read uh, today that petrol and uh, diesel. It, they're now at price levels not seen since before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. They, we we are um, we are at a, at a low, in inverted commas, low low rate Ish. in terms of pricing. It's down again. You know, diesel is down again. Another two point six percent dropped. So it's an average of one forty seven per liter. And, and obviously, there's there's areas that have have smaller than that. Um, but but look, we know that the government is going to start increasing the duty. It's been signaled for a while because there was a reduction of duty on uh, petrol and diesel uh, this time last year as a result of of, of fuel, uh, you know, heading up over two euro a litre. So um, that it was signaled that these, this would be put back up and that will start now on the 1st of June where, you know, where we'll see uh, six cents per litre going up on, on petrol and five cents per litre on diesel. And following that, then obviously 1st of September, seven cents for petrol, five cents for diesel. And then oh, it'll be fully restored on the 31st of October with eight cents for petrol and six cents for diesel. So we know that even though the prices are quite reasonable at the moment, that it's just going to go back up again. Oh, God. And somebody wants to know, why is diesel dropping faster than petrol at the moment? I mean, you hear all sorts of reasons. One of the major ones that we hear is that um, there was a, just a, a very, very mild winter across Europe is one reason. And that meant that there's a demand for diesel wasn't uh, what they expected. So they're the, the Europe, you know, mainland Europe was was fairly awash with diesel. So, um, the you know, pretty much a supply and demand issue that was too much of it. So they're trying to try, you know, that, that's what has driven the prices down. Also, we're you know we're we're a world away from where we were a year ago in terms of the, of the conflict in Ukraine, and 
you know, we, we moved away from looking from uh, fuel from from uh, you know Russian oil in Europe. So there was uh, there's been sourcing of other suppliers. So so that has settled the price down. But unfortunately, um, that price is artificial because it's it's without the it's without some of the duty that is now going to start going back up again. Okay, and and what about EV drivers, uh, Paddy? I mean, we're all complaining about the price of uh, electricity. How are they getting on charging their cars? Yeah, look, I mean, EV EV drivers aren't immune to price increases because you know petrol electricity prices have been increasing, especially domestic prices. If, if you're you know, if you're charging at home, you really have to keep an eye on that because, uh, you know, you, you have, you know, you can be paying, say, for an average EV driver is paying about eleven hundred uh, euro to charge their car over the course of the year. Now you can be paying an awful lot less if you had a smart meter and were, were availing of cheap night rate electricity, and and it could be actually free if you had a solar panel on your roof and you were looking to do that. <laughs> The the the, con, the the converse of that is that if you're using the public uh, charging network exclusively, you could be paying well over two thousand euro a year just to uh, to to charge your car. So you really though EV, EVs are getting more popular, but those drivers really need to pay attention to how they're charging them. Okay, all right. Uh, mind of information as always, Paddy. Thank you for that. Have a good day, and thanks bye for bye joining care. us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Paddy Common, who is head of communications at the AA. Just explaining, if you're going into a garage, you'll probably see signs for the E10. That is what it's all about. We don't seem to have a lot to worry about unless you're um, lucky enough to be driving one of those gorgeous classic cars. Still getting in a lot of commentary from people who are just so upset to hear of yet another incident that occurred on Main Street in Charleville yesterday. The second fatal crash to have occurred there in the last month. And uh, sadly, a pedestrian in her 70s losing her life yesterday. People so upset. And I think people are starting to get angry as well, saying something needs to, to be done. There's just too many lives that have been lost. Is it eight now in total on that one on one main street through a town? It really is shocking. But there's a couple of other issues coming in that I'm interested in your thoughts and comments on. For example, Bill in Clonakilty has contacted the programme. And this is to do with Dr. Matt Bass. Who's Dr. Matt Barrett? Dr. Matt Barrett is the partner of the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar. I'm hesitating because they're not married, so I know that it's his partner. And of course, he went to the, the coronation, and there is a lot of commentary to do with what Matt Barrett, Dr. Matt Barrett, was putting up on his private Instagram post before, during and after the, the ceremony. And it's uh, causing, well, it's causing a lot of upset to the point that Dr. Matt Barrett came out yesterday and apologised and said it, that he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have sent out those uh, messages anyway. A bill was on to say Leo Varadkar sending those messages while it was into a private group, in a private Instagram group in the coronation. So should Leo face questions in the doll chamber or should he be brought before an Oireachtas committee over this lack of respect respect shown to the royal family and indeed to the entire United Kingdom. Our own president, Michael De Higgins, and his wife, Sabina, attended and they showed absolute total respect for the royal family. The British media are running with this story still today. It's making headlines on several UK papers. It even made Sky News last night and is it making kind of a show of the country uh, almost. And OK, for those that, that are unaware of, in case you're 
unaware of this uh, story. Obviously, Leo Varadkar was invited to the, the coronation and his partner was invited. So that's why the reason uh, Matt Barrett was um, was there. Now, he's now been accused of embarrassing the country. He put up posts. It was on his he it's on his Instagram account, but his Instagram account is set to private and he has about 350 followers. So it was only the 350 followers who could actually see what he was posting. I mean, for example, you know, one of the first things he did and, and it was kind of, it could have been seen as just funny. It was on the way to Westminster. They were obviously in a cavalcade of cars and he put up, he said, holy S-H-I-T. I think I've accidentally been crowned King of England and there's kind of something funny about that but that was on the way to Westminster. But I think the ones that are causing the most controversy are what he was sending messages about when he was inside in Westminster uh, Abbey. He was taking a look at the order of service that obviously everybody, all of the guests were given the running order for the order of service and he was taking pictures of some of the things that were in the order of service and kind of poking fun at them. Some of them you know, it was his idea of being funny some of it was a bit uh, lurid you know, there was kind of toilet humour I think in some of it and it was just all a little bit, you know, he felt funny but not everybody is seeing it as funny now that it's gone out to the general population and more people are uh, finding out about it and then there was also, he sent uh, a picture of King Charles with the crown and he paid reference to the sorting hat. Anyone that's into Harry Potter will know about the sorting hat in Harry Potter. So he was he was referencing that and people saw that as being disrespectful as well. Now, the, the first thing I have to say, people were encouraged to specifically not put up social media uh, postings and the coronation organisers were advising against such posts. That's the first thing. And the second one, I think a number of people are pointing at this out. Surely he shouldn't have he should have switched. Everyone would have been asked to switch their phones off. I'm, as, I'm assuming that announcement was made at some stage or that people would have known to have turned their phones off. You're, at the end of the day, you're inside in a church as well. So somebody, a lot of people are pointing out that Leo Varadkar, you know, was obviously sitting beside him. So he would have seen Matt on his phone. He surely should have just given him a little dig in the ribs, put your phone away as you would do to a child if they were inside and they were, you know, texting away on the, on their phones but there is there's you know some people are seeing it as as embarrassment to this country and Bill is right the, the British media certainly have picked up on it and, and they're not all that happy about it as I say Matt Barrett has come out and he has apologised for it and you know said he shouldn't have put up uh, the posts um, and Leo Varadkar has kind of come out and said well look you know he, he was there as my partner but he is he's you know he's an, an individual he's allowed to have his own thoughts and, and, and whatever and he can't tell him just because he's his partner he can't uh, tell him what he should and uh, shouldn't uh, do but I suppose what Bill is saying and what a number of other people I imagine may be thinking is you know he's he was there as the Taoiseach's partner um, and therefore is that a disappointment to us as he was there as the leader of our country? He was there as his uh, partner. They were there representing the Irish government in what was a solemn international uh, occasion. And, you know, 
are people right to be given out about it? Are the British media just jump, jumping on the bandwagon? Anyway, your thoughts are welcomed. Uh, 0818-103-103. And then another listener has been on, and I just have a feeling because I mentioned refugees yesterday and what happened at that asylum seekers camp in, in Dublin. And there was a lot of very angry people were angry with my comments uh, when I was saying, you know, where is our humanity gone? At the end of the day, these are human beings, but not everybody saw it from that side. And people were saying, you know, that locals have a right to defend themselves, etc. Uh, and then somebody has texted in this morning to say that they are uh, sick to the teeth of listening about the amount of asylum seekers that are in this country and Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing the war. This listener says the country is full. We can't take in any more. Listener also feels that the Taoiseach and the Taunashta are only looking for good jobs in Europe or in the UN. Other than that, they wouldn't care about these asylum seekers and refugees. Also critical of TDs. They're only going with populist speak. We're broke from their little projects to help them themselves up the ladder. There is so much abuse of our system and such a reluctance to change it. It is ridiculous. The listener says, I am not in bold capitals, far right or far left. I'm just an ordinary mother. But I'm like so many others in this country. We're frustrated with our bleeding hearts and frustrated what's happening in this country. We are the laughing stock of Europe. I heard from a Polish man recently that we are being seen as a soft touch. And I, I have heard that being spoken about, particularly, I think, Eastern European countries. And whatever about a soft touch, it's the fact that our welfare system, now you've got to, put it in context, our welfare system is very generous when you compare it to the welfare system in other countries. But of course, our welfare system is seen as being very generous. It's because of the cost of living for people that are living on our welfare system. They won't, they don't see it as very generous. Uh, we have a lot of poverty in this country. But when you're comparing it to welfare systems in other countries where they get, you know, a fraction of what we pay out every week, people see, oh, they must be a soft touch. We'll go over there and we'll bleed their welfare system dry. 0818103103. Your thoughts are welcomed. And then a couple, some of the commentary coming in on what has happened, as I say, we're still getting a lot of commentary on what has happened in tragic accidents that happened in Charleville uh, yesterday. Where are some of the comments coming in on uh, that? Um, hi, Patricia. That listener, Pat, who messaged you earlier is correct. People just need to be more vigilant when they're crossing the roads, especially a pedestrian crossing. Some people walk out and they don't wait for the traffic to stop. People need to be more careful. And then Mary said, I listened with interest to Councillor Ian Doyle, who was from Charleville, who we opened the programme with this morning. And I can't believe that he said speed isn't an issue in in these accidents. It mightn't have been in the tragic accident yesterday, but Mary said the speed of traffic entering and leaving the main street from both the Limerick and the Cork side in Charleville is simply unacceptable, particularly at the quieter times of the day. Something seriously must be done to address this. Also, the speed limit signage from the Cork side is covered by overgrowth. I strongly suggest digital clocks on both sides of the town reminding listeners that they need to slow down. I've recommended this before. When will a concerned resident be listened listened to? Love the programme. And that's from Mary, who is obviously a resident of uh, Charleville. Thank you for that, Mary. To 0818103103. Our lines are open. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. C103 Jobs. 
An assistant driller is wanted urgently. It's for work in the North Cork area. Now, training can be provided. Call Al on 087 Carpenters are wanted for Cork City and County. CVs, please, to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Waiting staff are wanted. It's for a new pub in Goline. Email wildwestbar at yahoo.com. And a person wanted to train in servicing fire engineers, no, fire extinguishers in the Mill Street area. Email CVs and a cover letter, please, to Claire at MonsterFireAndSafety.com. And you need to have your application in, please, by Monday, the 29th of May. You'll find all the details and many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. According to a survey from the Irish Dental Association, one in six people is now waiting over three months for a non-urgent dental appointment, with half of all patients waiting even longer if they're looking for specialist care. CEO of the Irish Dental Association, Fintan Howrahan, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Fintan. Hello, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Are we talking about private patients here? Or are we talking about medical care patients? Or is it across all? Well, we're seeing that there are delays and problems in accessing care for all patients. I've spoken to you previously about the difficulties that medical care patients face. And currently, 80% of dentists who hold medical care uh, contracts are saying that they cannot see new patients uh, and that reflects the fact that there has been an exodus of dentists from the scheme but we also surveyed members and asked them about private patients and many of them said that they either are have lengthy waiting lists of in many cases two three months or in, in a small number of cases they're not taking in any new patients so we are seeing that there's difficulty in accessing dental care for all patients, both children and adults. We, we certainly have a problem. Are the dental practices themselves finding it hard to hire new dentists? Is, is that where the problem lies? That's part of the problem. So, yes, there's a capacity issue and dentists, we did ask them about how they got on trying to hire other dentists, nurses and hygienists. And there are particular shortages there. So obviously that's part of the explanation. The other part of the explanation is obviously that certain things that the state has a role in, such as, you know, the state dental schemes and the care for children within the HSE, where they cater for children, that they are in serious difficulty. So they're all linked together. There is a shortage of staff, but equally the problems with the uh, state schemes and the state dental service all contribute to and that's why you know dentists are so frustrated with the inaction of the government. Yeah it's almost like a perfect storm. Uh, stay though with the some dental practices not being able to hire uh, dentists. Talk to me about the training of dentists. Are we, are we simply not training enough? Well, you know, we have uh, dental schools in Cork and Dublin and, and indeed in Belfast, and they will produce a certain number of graduates. Now, the way the population is increasing and the demand for dental care is also rising, they're never going to produce um, enough dentists. And in fact, 
60% of the extra dentists that have been added to the register maintained by the Dental Council in recent times have come from overseas. So, you know, we are lucky to have very good dentists coming to work and live in Ireland. We have a certain number who graduate from the dental schools. Unfortunately, only about half of the graduates from the dental schools here in Ireland are staying to live and work here. Many of them, many of them are um, going back to where they came from or just choosing to go abroad. Yeah, and I take it the housing situation is affecting some of the younger dentists, you know, trying to buy houses. I mean, if you're in or trying to rent, if you're in, you know, the larger urban areas, I mean, particularly Dublin must be a huge issue. Well, it's it, it's an issue all across the country in the bigger towns and cities. And obviously dentists need nurses and hygienists to work alongside them. So, you know, if the nurses and hygienists are struggling to find housing close to the dental practice, then that makes makes it problematic. So yes, it's it's nearly nationwide as an issue now in terms of housing being uh, a contributory factor. You mentioned that we've spoken on many occasions in the past about the medical card scheme and, and the problems for people have in trying to access a, a dentist. I did see the Department of Health say that they've increased fees by between 40 and uh, 60%. Uh, Has that helped? It hasn't made any difference in terms of the number of patients being seen. It hasn't made uh, much difference, uh, you know, in terms of dentists uh, signing up or, or remaining in the scheme. Obviously, in normal times, people might think, well, if there was a 40 to 60% increase in fees, there'd be a large number of dentists rushing to join the scheme. That hasn't happened. Uh, and that, I suppose, confirms the fact that it's not about fees. That's not the problem dentists have with a particular scheme. The problems they have really are around the rules and the restrictions uh, contained within the scheme where they're not able to offer the same standard of care that they would offer to all the rest of their patients. So yes, there was a decision made to increase the fees and the, in some cases they were of that magnitude. But you know, if, if, if nothing else, it proves that this is not just about fees that dentists uh, are paid. It's about the whole way the scheme operates. It's in need of replacement with an entirely different scheme and our great frustration is that the talks on a new scheme haven't yet started. Yeah and how long have you been looking for a new scheme to start Fintan at this stage? How long is this going on? Well you wouldn't believe this but there was talks on a new scheme uh, uh, began in 2008 so that's 15 years ago and then the Department of Health walked out of those talks and we've been trying ever since to get them to come back um, in recent times they're talking about resuming the talks but there is no uh, date fixed for a meeting at this stage And if people are finding it difficult to get into a, dis- a, a, a dentist even for this you know, non-urgent care just to check up and make sure that everything is okay you must be fearful as an organisation about people's oral health is really going to suffer well, of course, I mean, that, that, that is the, the, the primary concern because, you know, the essence of dentistry is, is, is prevention and getting in uh, early and avoiding problems which become more difficult, more expensive um, and less pleasant to deal with for, for the patient. So if, if patients aren't seeing their dentist, then all the evidence is there to show that, that there, there is a fairly obvious effect. And equally, I suppose, what all of this shows is that you know, very often those who most need it, those who can least afford it, are the ones who are having to wait the longest and to travel the furthest for dental care. So it astonishes us that the Department of Health sits on its hands uh, and we're no closer to resolving the problem.
Okay, a listener wants to know, I don't know if you have a view on this uh, or not, what is your opinion on people going overseas to access uh, dental treatment? It's much cheaper to get dental treatment like implants by going abroad. Well, I suppose the first thing to say is that when people consider going abroad, it's usually for for more cosmetic purposes rather than routine everyday dental care. But um, sometimes it's it's uh, it it appears on the face of it to be cheaper. But if if you have ultimately then to come back and get a lot of uh, restorative work done to to deal with you know the problems that un- uh, undoubtedly do emerge when people go abroad and they're overtreated, then you know we would always say buyer beware. You need to be sure that you're going to a reputable clinic. You need to know the questions to ask. And you know while people are free to go abroad, the, the best advice we would always offer is go and talk to your local dentist first because you may not need many of the treatments that you're being sold. Uh, and there are options here, and very often people are surprised that it is, is actually possible to get affordable dental care for these more complex uh, and expensive cosmetic treatments where you know they are considering going abroad. Yeah, I saw um, it was a, um, a young journalist with the Sun newspaper and, and he was looking at a lot of different treatments abroad, but one of them was uh, dental. His teeth, by the way, absolutely perfect. And whatever clinic he got in contact with, I think it was in Turkey, they were suggesting that he got he got work done that he absolutely didn't need. And that's what you've got to be very careful about, that even though it might seem cheaper, these guys are in a business to make profit. Yes, and you know, undoubtedly, if you go to a dentist who's living in the community and you know works and lives uh, alongside their patients, they're going to be uh, very mindful of the fact that they should only, uh, and they're ethically obliged to only offer treatment as is is actually required. If you go away, you know, we've seen it countless times. People are uh, induced to sign up for treatments which they don't need, and it's usually over treatment rather than the nature of the treatment which is the cause of the problem. Now, if there's something goes wrong here in Ireland, we have a dental complaint service to help people resolve those problems. But it's very problematic if you're trying to resolve problems uh, from Ireland where you've been treated abroad and there's no real onus on, on clinics to to, uh, to look after you in the same way as there would be if you're living alongside your local dentist. And would some of your members then see people coming back when it's gone wrong and they're, and they're trying to sort it out for them? Well, yes, they, they are uh, regularly presented with um, cases and very often patients are, are reluctant to go to, to their dentist. And <clears throat> in some cases, dentists may be reluctant to take it on because they're really you know, being asked to fix a problem that's been created by somebody else. And they're not entirely sure of what, what they're going to find if they start the problem but or start to tackle the problem. But yes, it is something that... Uh, is regularly seen in presentations to the dental hospitals and to certain specialist dentists. It's it's an everyday um, uh, occurrence. And that is why I suppose the best advice I would offer to anyone considering going abroad or indeed to their local dentist is to check out the uh, advice on the Dental Council's website. So the Dental Council is a body that's there to serve the interests of patients and they have guidance on choosing a dentist and the questions you need to ask it's particularly appropriate, though, if you are considering travelling abroad for treatment. Yeah. OK. And again, I don't know if you can answer this one, but could you ask uh, Fintan, please, why does the dental hospital charge medical card patients? Uh, is that a HSE decision? 
I presume it's to uh, to cover their costs, and they will probably say that uh, they're not funded fully to to meet their costs by the HSE. I can't really speak for for the dental hospital, whether it's in Cork or in Dublin. It's probably in Cork we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I presume it's because they will say that uh, they need to cover their operating costs. OK. All right. Listen, we leave it there, Fintan. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Fintan Howrahan, who is CEO of the Irish Dental Association and the problems that both medical card and private patients are facing trying to access uh, a dentist. And if you have a good dentist, you'll know how important they are in your life. A Wildlife Rescue Cork is running an online raffle throughout this month and it's to raise funds to build new enclosures and aviaries for the animals. To find out more, I'm joined by Julie Cronin. Now, Julie is the founder and the chairperson of Wildlife Rescue uh, Cork. Good morning to you, Julie. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you're very welcome and I'm delighted to be able to spend some time focusing on the fantastic work It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That you do. You've got very ambitious plans here. Tell me what you're hoping to achieve. We have, yeah, um, I suppose each year the the need for help with wildlife is increasing. So um, to, to deal with that expansion, we're trying to build five new aviaries, um, one or two mammal enclosures and something for kind of small bird species as well. So two of my volunteers reached out to a load of businesses across Cork and like the response was overwhelming. They were so generous. So we raised um, like vouchers and things like that. So there was actually 4,000 euro worth of prize is up for grabs for the month of May if you enter the raffle um, so we're absolutely delighted with the response so far and we're just having a big push now to try and reach our goal Yeah I couldn't believe it John Paul downloaded uh, all of the prizes and it ran to over two fool's cap pages so I was very <laughs> yeah, I was very impressed people have been really generous What enclosures do you have at the moment? So at the moment, we have just two smaller aviaries and one mammal enclosure. And then we have a purpose built garage, which is 10 metres by six metres, which houses all the veterinary cages and kind of the smaller vulnerable animals that need to be on heat or need, you know, immediate intervention or constant feeding and things like that. So it's just when the animals are kind of ready for almost release, we'll get them into these outdoor enclosures. They'll be able to waterproof themselves, get kind of acclimatised to the weather, how to kind of find food. And it just gives them the best chance for release then. Yeah, you, just to take you back, you were set up in 2017. Talk to me about how yes. it all started. 
So I've um, been involved in, in animals most of my life, but um, I went abroad to um, Africa, Canada, Scotland, and I worked in wildlife rehabilitation centres kind of across the globe. And the need for it back home is, is obviously evident as well. So when I returned to Cork, I decided to set up the, the rescue. And then we became a registered charity then in, in 2020, which we were delighted with just to have a more official footing for it. Um, so we just kind of work nearly night and day, really, um, rescuing native wildlife species across Cork that the public find on the side of the road or they might hand them into vets and then vets need somewhere professional to send the animals for the rehabilitation process. It's incredible. It really is incredible what you do. And how busy are you now to say when you first started in 2017? Oh, it's like night and day. I suppose the more people have gotten to know us and know what we're doing um, and the more vet practices, we've about 15 across Cork that work with us and they'll call us on a regular basis. And when clients hand in animals, um, I mean, I, I guess I suppose I used to get maybe 10 calls a day in the height of the summer season back in 2017. Now you could be getting 20, 30 calls a day um, or emails, messages, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Uh, people just reaching out across Cork. So it's it's hugely increased. And is that, do you think that's just down to the fact that people know that you're there? They are. I suppose most people only come across it when they have found something and then they always say to me, I just didn't know you existed. Yeah. And you know, obviously you don't until you find a hedgehog at the side of the road or in your garden or some bird has fallen out of a nest or something and then you panic looking for someone to help you. And um, so definitely with our social media and everything, I suppose the word has spread and across vets it has spread as well. So that's definitely um, doing it and more people are more aware of not to just leave it to nature as people would have said in the past because a lot of what's happening is negative interactions with humans, whether it's gardening, road traffic accidents, cat and dog attacks it's, it's negative from humans to, to wildlife so people are more tuned in now that wildlife actually needs our help back because we're doing a lot of damage to them and what is your advice to the general public if somebody c- comes across an animal or, or a, a, a bird that's injured yeah, so at this time of year, what we would see is a lot of fledglings. So birds will jump out of the nest um, as they're ready to, to fly. They won't be able to at that point. So they'll spend a couple of days on the ground, building up the muscle mass in the wings, practicing, hopping around, fluttering. And the parents will feed them on the ground during this time. So they're the only ones that we would say don't interact with. Take a step back. Make sure that you see the parents coming to tend to them on the ground and just leave them to it. The exceptions are if a cat has it or it's on a road or something, then in intervention was needed but if if someone comes across with say hedgehogs or things like that um definitely just get in touch so the easiest way to do that is on our social media or by email and you just send us all the information we'll get back to you as soon as we physically can and it's best to send videos and pictures and that we can get to it faster than i get an assessment of whether it needs to go to a vet or to ourselves here at the center and outside of hedgehogs what other what, what type of animals have you helped over the years um, I've had pretty much every <laughs> every species really at the moment we have a load of ducklings we've actually oh. 20 plus ducklings we have um, a little uh, baby deer which is called a fawn in she's quite unwell we have pigeons doves wrens fox cubs hedgehogs we just have you, you name it we will have it over the summer <laughs> that's incredible have you got particular favorite type of animals that you you like to look after 
Yeah, I do. I suppose they're all, you know, they're all interesting characters. I suppose my top three would be Kestrels, House Martins and Hedgehogs and Little Hedgehog Babies called Hoglets. They're really, really fun to rear. Uh, and then so you 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 get them to a certain stage, but then the aim is to always release them back into the wild. 100%. Everything that comes through here has to be releasable. So um, a lot of people will pick up animals and think, oh, it's lovely and fluffy or cute and I'll try and rear it myself at home. But wildlife has to stay wild in order to succeed. So it has to know what its peers look like, what its mates will look like. If it's bonded to humans, then it's 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 pointless to put it back into the wild. It's going to end up in trouble and imprint on humans and think that they're a safe space. And we know we know that they're not a safe space. So um, we we will be very strict here on you take it out, you feed it, you clean it, you put it back. There is no talking in the center. There is no music playing. It is just very minimal intervention, which is what it has to be when it comes to wildlife. It's very different to domestic species where they you know crave the interaction with wildlife. We have to just put them in a quiet, dark space and just help them help them to recover let them recover and is there something very special Julie about nurturing a wild animal back to full health there is and there's nothing quite like it when you when you succeed with it and you have them um, ready to go and you release them back there there's nothing quite like it to know that you've given them that second chance um, at freedom when something bad has happened to them that you've helped them out well done well well done and as you say you've got vets on board and, and vets are very good to your charity Oh, they're incredibly kind. I'm so fortunate in Cork to have so many vets that know the the importance of wildlife, that they understand that nobody owns it, that it's all of our responsibility together to, to mine this wildlife and get it back where it belongs. So I'm so fortunate in Cork. I really am. Do you get any state funding? So last year was the first year that we applied for um, the Department of Agriculture grant and we were so delighted to have been granted €4,000. Um, so that was a huge help to us um, to, to get us um, a bit more equipment and things like that. So um, we'll, we'll be applying every year now um, and that's the only kind of um, large scale funding that we, we get. Everything else is done via our social media fundraisers or the public kindly donating money when they hand over an animal to help towards the cost of that animal because we're all 100% volunteers. Nobody takes a salary or a wage or anything like that. So any donations that come in go 100% towards the animal care. Well done. I love to hear that. And, and actually we had the charities regulator on uh, only earlier on in the week or last week and uh, people were making that point about when you donate money to charity wanted to know how much goes to the cause. Where so does there, it go? There you yeah. go. Wildlife Rescue Cork 100% is going to look after those uh, and uh, look after the animals. You mentioned to hedgehogs yeah. Somebody said they've got a pair of hedgehogs in the garden. They're unsure of what they should do. Nothing wrong with them, but they love watching them in the garden. Is there any food they should be leaving out for them? Yeah, so um, it's a difficult one with wildlife feeding wildlife because what you don't want is a case of where they get dependent on you. So it's it's fine to put out small bits and pieces for, for animals, but we'd say if you're putting out a large uh, quantity of food and then you head away in your holidays for two weeks, who's going to feed them? Because they're now oh. dependent on coming to your garden for that food as part of their, their diet. But um, what we would say is water, 100% shallow dish of water 
is so crucial to wildlife and whether it's birds bathing in it or wildlife actually just using it for a drink because just like us they get dehydrated and you can leave out if you want um, a small bit of um, dry cat nuts or wet cat food for the hedgehogs what you'll see is a lot of cats if you feed your cats outside the hedgehogs know what time you put it out and they'll march (laughs) out of their nest ready for the dinner they'll they'll become accustomed and they'll know by the clock and they'll be there on time for that food so just we would just say small quantities let them be wild let them forage as normal but if you want to slightly supplement the hedgehogs in the garden you can do but we'd say just make sure they don't become dependent on you for that or you'll never be able to leave the house again and can i say to whoever there's no name on that text in from the listener uh, you're very lucky if you've got a, a hedge uh, and you've got two hedgehogs in your garden um you, yes. you won't have any problems with slugs i had one one year we had a hedgehog in our garden and literally i didn't have a slug in the garden and I didn't have and usually there would be slugs attacking various flowers none and it was down to the hedgehog yeah they eat all sorts of bugs it's not solely um, slugs but they do help with that so it's obviously super important then that you don't put out slug pellets in your garden if you know that um, wildlife is attending you shouldn't be using them anyway in an ideal world we would banish them but um, just make sure because they will eat the pellets they will eat the poison slugs as well and then obviously it it can be fatal to them so um, just trying to encourage as much natural wildlife into your garden will help you with a lot of these problems just like bats at night time they'll help you with all the little midges and mosquitoes and everything like that that are flying around they'll help control a lot of that as well Well on the slug pellets you're singing from the very same hymn sheet as our regular resident gardener on a Wednesday Peter Dowdle he absolutely says no to slug pellets for for the very same reason you mentioned bats and I have to put my hand up and say I've just got a fear of bats and I don't know where where, (laughs) where, why are some of us afraid of bats and which I, I assume you're not I'm not. I'm not. No, it's look, it is it is a fear. Um people have a fear of birds. Perfectly natural for, for people if you if you don't know them. Anyone that I've shown a bat to up close, like once I've taken it out and examined it, they actually look like little puppies. I say that the little faces, they're actually so cute. They are gorgeous. They're such a beautiful animal. So um, people have a fear that I suppose you see in all the horror films, they yeah. get stuck in your hair or they're coming for your blood. We have nothing like that in Ireland. We don't have this, I think it's only a small percentage of species actually do that on um, larger mammals. But um, our bat species in, in Ireland are just here for the bugs. They're not here for you. So there's no need to be frightened. They don't want any part of you and they don't want to interact with you. So if you just watch them in the garden, they'll do their thing and they won't be coming down to fly into your hair or anything like that. And you'd get injured. What kind of injuries would you see in bats then? The vast majority of what I currently see is cat uh, victims. So um, cats, if they know where the roost is, they might sit underneath the the little spot and um, bats will warm up their wings um, before they head out for their flight. So you'll actually see them vibrating and then they'll head off for their flight. But if something happened to them or they fell out by accident or the cat had a good spot up a tree, they can kind of swat them as they're coming out. So um, between that or just dehydration or young, being out of the of the roost, things like that is what you'd see. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big cat lover, but they can be buggers when yeah. it comes to, to wildlife. They really can. Uh, and when you're talking about being careful about not feeding, overfeeding wildlife or making them too dependent, straight away somebody's in. Is it OK to feed the birds in the garden? 
yeah so um like in the summer months as well and in the winter it's it is quite difficult obviously birds are trying their very best to rear the young in the summer months so people do put out the bird feeders of the fat balls and peanuts and the wild bird seed so um you know personally i would say it's okay they have you know they have such tiny little bodies that they need to fill with um reserves all the time one thing to be super careful about is to always clean your feeders regularly with a really good disinfectant and then you'll rinse it off to make sure there's no disinfectant left and refill them and then this just helps prevent the spread of any diseases that they might pass on to each other um, and then again water is crucial for the garden birds for feather health they need to have clean um, water to bathe in and to mind themselves and to also drink so you could definitely definitely do that in the garden but be very careful to be making sure it's really hygienic and then you just be careful that you're not drawing rats or mice or things like that so there's certain feeders you can buy and that kind of catch the surplus seeds and things like that so you're not scattering them over the garden okay listen good advice i could talk to you all day but we wanted to plug <laughs> we want to plug your raffle because that's what it's all about uh the the how can people purchase the raffle tickets so if you want to Wildlife Rescue Cork, um, so you can either go onto our Facebook page or Instagram and on there, on every post that I've put up over the last couple of weeks, there is a link to the iDonate um, platform that we're using for this um, raffle. So on there, you can buy as many tickets as you like and you'll be in with a chance to win. So once the raffle ends, we will tell the iDonate platform to select for us 50 winners. We will then get the contact information. So your email that you used, we will get that if you're one of the lucky winners and we will contact you then and you can choose from the list of what is left. We'll work our way down and you can choose the price that best suits you then. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. You're putting a lot of work on yourself there, but that's a great way to do it. Huge amount. But you know what? People people deserve to have the prizes that they're trying to enter for. And I don't want someone ending up up with something that you know golfing when they, they when they don't golf that's true worse. that that um, is but true. it's it's the way we want to do it just to give people the fairest chance and because they're being so kind and supporting us and uh, we do want to give that back as well and the raffle tickets are on sale there are five or each they started at the beginning of may and it'll run right through to the end of may is, is that the idea Exactly. Okay. Yeah. One AM on the first of June it closes and we'll we'll do the, the raffle then in the first week of June. Well I hope you sell thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets, uh, Julie. Thank I've you. really enjoyed our chat. We will chat again. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for that. Take care. Good morning to you. That is uh, Judy Cronin, founder and chairperson of the Wildlife Rescue Cork, who are doing the most amazing work and have been doing the most amazing work since uh, 2017. Long may they continue. We were speaking in the last hour about uh, with the wildlife, the wildlife rescue in Cork and uh, the lovely Julie uh, joining us on the programme, talking about the amazing work that they've been doing since they were first uh, set up back in 2017. And she spoke in particular about a lot of birds. That's prompted Mike in Bantry to say, Patricia, I've got three nest boxes in my garden along with a bat box and they're all in full use, which is fantastic. I feed the birds with sunflower seeds and I could have up to 30 or 40 gold finches. In the winter, I have red poles, is it, and seskins. I also do the garden bird survey every year. Oh, with Birdwatch Ireland. Yeah, we spoke about that only uh, lately. And it's lovely. It's, it almost becomes like a hobby and it's wonderful to sit and watch all these gorgeous birds in your garden. So go you, Mike. Let me say on the topic of birds because Anne is in Kilbehany and she's a bit of a problem with a bird at the moment. Good afternoon, Anne. Hi, how are you? OK, you have a racing pigeon problem. Tell me what's been going on. 
Um, he arrived last Tuesday, which means it's a she, actually, to the mayor. Um, and um, we did an awful job trying to to pick her up, to, to know, to read the tags. But we did eventually, and um, the bird was supposed to race from from Oi back up to Belfast. I rang the owner, and he said he'd be back in from Oi racing pigeons again last Saturday, and he'd ring me, and he'd come out and get her. But he obviously doesn't want her because he doesn't answer my calls, and um, <sighs> and I still have her. Now I've been feeding her porridge oats and crushed cornflakes and giving her water, but. Um, She's no intentions of leaving <laughs> and I just don't know what to do with her because she has the place destroyed. I couldn't believe so much shite could come out of one bird. <laughs> and she <laughs> oh, the wind the window sills. She spends her day looking in the window at me. Oh my god. And so and she uh, just arrived in your garden, was it? She just arrived, yeah, and um, I couldn't believe when I see GB on the tag to know that it's actually Northern Ireland she's from. But she and did she did she start in Fromoy or did she start in Belfast? No, she started in Fromoy, and we'd be a twenty minute drive from Fromoy. She didn't, and get to... she didn't arrive here till Tuesday, and she was let go on Saturday. So I don't know where she spent the few days before that. She got help, but she didn't get very far. And obviously, because you're feeding her, that's why she's sticking around. Well, I thought that too, you know, but um, the owner told me to feed her and that, um, that maybe she was injured and she'd make her way back, but she doesn't seem to be injured. And she she's doesn't... well able to fly. And, she's and pers- I, I don't want her to starve either because she doesn't seem to be moving, so uh, my conscience, I'm feeding her, you know. And she prefers Cork to Belfast, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, we're officially well, counting Limerick. That's it. Yeah, we won't argue. We won't argue about that one. Okay. We're in the middle of the three counties. That's it. Okay. So we're looking for advice from racing pigeon owners because I know in the past we would often over the years have had calls in from people saying, "Found a racing pigeon. This is the number." Yada yada yada, and people would say to us. If they don't make their way home, they're of no use to the owner. And we've had yes, horror I stories. It and yeah. it said they call them C-U-L-L, which is another word for, for kill, kill. Yeah. either by wringing their neck, car fume exhausts, or oh, drowning them. Yeah, we, we had a man and once... We had a man once that we contacted to say somebody found your homing pigeon and it had to make it home and he actually said over the phone I just tell him ring its neck and I said are you for real and yeah so which we don't want to do that so let's see if anyone from the homing pigeon and pigeon fancying fraternity can help us and I'm wondering I might get John Paul to get back on to Fiona because I'm assuming Wildlife Rescue Cork must get similar calls in about racing pigeons that don't make it home and see if we can get advice. But you you would prefer her to move on rather than stay in your garden making a mess, Anne? Well, I mean, I just think she's just out of her, you know, her natural environment, you know, and um, she mustn't be feeling very well. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like she used to be in boxes of other pigeons and now she's all on her own and I just feel sorry for her. I know. <laughs> I, I just have um, a kind heart. I keep bringing in strays. Have you cats? 
No, I've a dog. Oh, right, okay. But uh, the thing is that uh, she's either on the window looking in or she's up on the garage roof, so the dog doesn't take any notice of her. But it's the... What's he's, com- he's mostly in the house anyway, the whole time, so... It's what's coming out of the other end is causing the problems. Other than that, she'd be fine to remain in the garden. OK, we'll put it out there and see if we can get a response for you, Anne, OK? OK, that'd right, be Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Oh, okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Patricia, and I get John Paul to put a call through to Fiona, who we've just spoken to from Wildlife Rescue Cork, to see if she's got any suggestions. Anyone with suggestions, particularly pigeon fanciers, please. They're the ones in the know. Uh, what should Anne do with this homing pigeon who just doesn't want to go back to Belfast? Is there any way to encourage it back to Belfast? 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Some of your thoughts coming in on... Um, Leo Varadkar and Leo Varadkar's partner. This was kicked off by Billy in Clonakilty, who felt it was just disrespectful what Matt Barrett, what he was tweeting about. Not tweeting about, in fairness, he, he wasn't. He didn't put it up in a public forum. Well, it was public enough. He put it up in his private Instagram, which has about 350 followers. So I suppose public enough. And of course, word has got out what he was messaging on his Insta post and people saw it as utterly disrespectful. Some of your thoughts in Joe and Kilmada says if this was any other political party you can be guaranteed that Leo Varadkar or Taoiseach would be all over it. Matt Barrett should know better um, on how to interact when he's out in public particularly when he's out in public with his partner technically they are representing the uh, country. Joe feels Leo Varadkar needs to apologise to the people of Ireland and he needs to do it in the doll over the matter and does he need to apologise to the royal family and does he need to apologise to the people in the UK they seem to be the ones most upset about it Breitha in Mallow says Patricia I find it most disrespectful what the partner of Leo Varadkar posted on his private Instagram post if a yob in the street had done it you'd say something but I expect more from our representative or from our representative's partners very shoddy indeed says our Breitha in Mallow Hi Patricia, Leo Varadkar is known as Leo the Leak for revealing things that he's not supposed to reveal and doesn't it look like it's rubbing off on his partner and his childish antics putting up photographs of the coronation and making fun of the ceremony Why go if he thought that little of the invitation in the first place which I suppose is a valid enough point as well 0818 103 103 and back to some texts coming in about uh, Charleville Hi Patricia I am so so sorry to hear about that accident in Charleville yesterday may God help that poor woman's family yeah I'm really thinking about what they're going through uh, today hearing this though uh, also makes me feel about the town of Formoy or sorry, about the town of McCroom and could the town of McCroom be next? We have a huge problem here with boy uh, racers. I witnessed a guard the car past the boy racers. I actually beckoned to them, but they did nothing. God help us here in McCroom. The speed and the noise is terrible from morning until night. McCroom, Gardy, please, please do something before somebody is killed. No pedestrian crossing at the main boys national school either in McCroom. And that is badly needed. And then Dan says, hi, Patricia. So sad to see how we have needlessly lost another one of our neighbours. The interim suggested solutions of traffic calming sounds all a little bit strange to me, given that most of the accidents that have occurred were when stationary traffic moved off after being stopped. You simply can't mix pedestrians and a national route 
traffic. So one has to be removed. Heavy goods can't be diverted around the town at the moment and that's due to the presence of schools on any diverted routes. Plus the decision needs to have been made to defer the development of the alternative M20 route in the short term. So the only area that hasn't been looked at are the pedestrians. So does the option of closing the main street in Charleville or as it's known alternatively, the N20 national route between Cork and Limerick is the option of closing it to shops and pedestrians only. Kind regards, says Dan R, who says something needs to be done. 0818 uh, John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp, even though hold off on your texts and WhatsApps at the moment because we're, well, we'll be wrapping up our competition uh, very soon. And then you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Cloyne Literary and Historical Society Lecture presents Anne-Marie Coughlin, who's a genealogist. Anne-Marie will give a talk entitled A Family Mystery and a Literary Surprise. It's on in Hearty's Restaurant in Cloyne tonight at uh, 8 o'clock and all are welcome. Bingo is on in Sham Ballymore Community Centre tonight at 8. They've got a jackpot of €1,600. Sham Ballymore Community Council would also like to remind residents that judging has commenced in the anti-litter competition. You're asked to be mindful of disposing of any litter. All help would be gratefully appreciated. Rahan Community Alert are holding their AGM on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. It'll be in Rahan National School. Residents of the area are encouraged to attend what is an important meeting. Members of Garda Siakona and Winton Atira will also be in attendance. And Blarney and District Historical Society are presenting an illustrated lecture entitled Mother Jones, the Most Dangerous Woman in America. It's on Thursday night at 8 in Skullmuragon Small, Blarney uh, Secondary School. Speaker is Anne Toomey. All are welcome. And for non-members, the uh, entry fee is just €4. Euro. 0818 103 103. I want to go to Fran in Ardpatrick. This is on pigeon advice. Is it for, for Anne in Kilbehany? Uh, good afternoon, Fran. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Have you pigeon advice for Anne in Kilbehany, please? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've had plenty of homing pigeons call in on their journeys over the last 26 years. Now, as I said to John Paul, I I have poultry and um, and a farm, so I would have oats and things. And they, the but even porridge oats. But the chick, the pigeons will come down. They'll eat. They'll sleep in the barn or on the barn roof. And the longest I've had one stay was three weeks and then off it went because basically they sometimes they might be feeling well or they might be tired or they might be lost or they just take a bit of time to give themselves time out and off they go again. Oh, so 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 she, it's a she. She will leave because she's there. She's there a week now today. So give it another little yes. while. So she's just more resting up. Yes, exactly. Resting up and just 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 leave her be because and if you phone if you phone the if you catch them and you get their rings and you phone the the handlers they'll just say leave them alone they won't come come yeah, down yeah. for them unless they're really really 
tried ones, but no, just yeah, someone, my advice is feed her and leave her alone. Yeah, because someone, someone is saying that some of the really expensive ones can be worth thousands. They that. can, they can, but they're the ones that they compete with. All right, okay. Um, and and I mean, some of them, some of them go, go over to France or you know onto the continent, and then they leave them off and they they fly home again. But obviously, weather and everything can can blow them off course, or just like humans, um, they could have an off day, or they could get a cold, they could they could just be physically tired, they they could be all manner of reasons. So, so long as the pigeon is happy and eating and drinking, leave it alone. Okay, good advice. Thank you for that, Fran. And uh, look after yourself. Take care. That's Fran in Ardpatrick. Somebody else says, uh, tell Anne in Kilbehany to put up with the bird poo. Uh, don't give her back to the owner as it'll only wring her neck if she's feeding her. Do it away from the house. That will pre- prevent her pooing near the house. And by the way, says this texter, a female bird is called a hen, not a mare. I have no idea. <laughs> I think that's what Anne said, that a female pigeon is called a mare. According to this listener, it is called a hen. We'll have to check that one out. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. Now, local politicians have been calling on the government to expedite the construction of a new Garda station for the town of McCroom. Well, joining me with some good news this afternoon on this story is Minister of State with Responsibility for the OPW, and that's Patrick O'Donovan. Good afternoon to you, Patrick. Uh, good morning. Uh, uh, good afternoon. It is, it it is yes, just gone to you're, you're, yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Now, the Garda station was originally expected to be funded as a public-private partnership, but I believe now that's not to happen. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, first of all, thanks for having me on, because this is a very important uh, Garda station, not only for the town of McCroom, but for the, the entire Garda district and the region um, that, that it encompasses in such a huge part of County Cork. So after I became Minister for the Asset Public Works, local TD there, Michael Creed, you know, impressed upon me the, the need for this to be advanced. So over the last period of time, I have been trying to, I suppose, extract, for want of a better word, um, McCroom Garda Station together with one other uh, from the public-private partnership that they were held in originally because we in the Office of Public Works believe uh, that we have the, the, the competence and, and capability and capacity to deliver um, the Garda station a lot faster uh, than what it would be uh, if it was left in the public-private partnership. So I received uh, approval uh, from the government to do that. It's Obviously, this money uh, comes to the Office of Public Works from the Department of Justice, but it originates in, in the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform. Uh, and really and truly, from my point of view, uh, public-private partnerships for, for Garda stations we're fine at a time when the country was, uh, you know, in need of private investment to deliver public infrastructure. But at the moment, um, that's really not the case because we have a significant amount of cash um, available to us uh, to do um, public infrastructure. And the organisation in the state that does the most of it and is the most experienced in it um, is the Office of Public Works. So I'm very happy that we're able now to proceed with this uh, and that we will be able to um, make real progress in in McCroom and um, the surrounding stations as well that will obviously be part of the project 
uh, in the period of time when, when McCroom is rendered uh, incapacitated. So we have a bit of work to do uh, first before we actually see the physical work uh, take place because we'll need to move the guards to other locations for short periods of time. Uh, but that, that'll be all worked out with guard management. But the most important thing at the moment is we have been given the approval that I've sought for a long time now uh, to proceed with McCroom and one other uh, outside of the public-private partnership. And planning permission, Patrick, as far as I remember, was granted back in, I think it was 2021. Though. So the planning permission is already in place. Well, you see, planning permissions for Garda stations is a kind of an unusual one uh, because it goes through what's called Part 9 of the Planning Act, uh, which is the commissioners of just the public works for security reasons. So any security infrastructure that's required for the state goes through um, a, an unusual but a very effective planning process. Um, and I know my own one in Limerick, in West Limerick, and an awful lot of West Limerick people are listening to this programme. I was just saying to your researcher there, John Paul, before I come on, this programme is, it reaches out to a huge amount of people in places like Drumcolour and Broadford and Fina and Kilmeady, and they'll be familiar with the issue that we have, not too dissimilar to McCroom, uh, where our Garda station was rendered unfit for habitation, and we hope to have it uh, demolished this summer and the enabling work started. Uh, and the same uh, uh, pathway now will follow for McCroom, but the difference being that McCroom is of huge significance to not only the Gardaí, but to the Office of Public Works in the, in the sense that it covers a massive geographical area and is a headquarters um, that will be obviously of significance to the town and give significant priority in terms of Garda investment in the future to the town. And it's also going to serve as the new divisional headquarters for the whole of Cork. That's right. Can't and that's even, it's an even... Look, I suppose in the time that I've been Minister for the OPW, I spent a lot of time uh, talking to our, you know, men and women of the Garda, uh, at Garda rank, um, sergeant, inspector, you know, superintendent across the country in terms of the Garda estate. And we need to do more in terms of uh, making sure that the places that they work in are, are fit for work in 2023, but also in terms of the, the public that are going in, whether it is to get a passport stamp uh, or to have a, 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 an engagement with the guards that you prefer not to have, that at least you're able to have that in um, in in uh, in privacy uh, and that you're treated with the respect that you deserve. But the infrastructure that we have around the country at the moment doesn't allow the men and women of Angarda Shia to do that in many cases, and that's why we have the investment programme that we have, and that's why places like McCroom, Newcastle West, and other parts of the country are being prioritised now for the, uh, by the Office of Public Works to make sure that it isn't all just about investment in, in urban areas, but there's also a very much a rural focus because McCroom will cover a gigantic, um, uh, as Michael Creed often reminds me, a gigantic geographical area, uh, bilingual as well, and I'm conscious of the fact that Mara is a great success, that this will have a big impact, for instance, on those people um, in the Gwaltis and the Kool area, as well as those who will receive their um, interaction with Angarda Shiakana to England. Okay. So and have you, very have, have you a timeline on when you expect work to begin, when you'd like to see it completed? Yeah. So we would hope that, uh, you know, that the tender documents um, for this will be completed um, uh, later on this year, that we will start the tender process to appoint a contractor uh, in the start of next year. But in, in parallel with that, uh, that we will also start decanting out um, guards that will need to be moved in order to make way for uh, the construction works and that can start uh, in conjunction with local guard management uh, as soon as possible. So we'll be looking for, I suppose, space in other um, existing uh, local guard stations in the immediate area to accommodate those that have to, that'll have to move on a temporary basis and ultimately they'll come back uh, to McCroom. So once, uh, like the train is beginning to leave the station now, which is a very important thing, the most important element of this was to seek and get approval for additional money. This is additional money for for um, for guard stations uh, for the Office of Public Works. 
for two of them a substantial amount of money and um, it will make a big difference, I believe, in the town of Macroom and in the wider uh, Mead and North Cork areas uh, for people that um, will use this as a Garda service in okay. the future. Okay, and, and I'm glad to see because I grew up in Clamel, so I know the Garda station in Clamel. I'm glad to see that that's the other Garda station that's going to be built as well. Somebody wants to know a question for you. Uh, where in Macroom is the new Garda station to be based? Uh, on the existing site. On, on the, the existing, existing site. site, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and just very finally before you let you go, I saw you were in the wonderful Donnerwell Court uh, last week. That's a real success story for the Office of Public Works, isn't well, it? It is an unbelievable place. And, and you know, if you, if you haven't been and your listeners haven't been, I mean, it's phenomenal. We've, we've just finished a, a €2 million Euro investment in it. And uh, we this year we will break a half a million visitors um, that will visit um, the, the house and the domain and the, the gardens and the grounds around it. It really is unbelievable, uh, the work that um, our crews have done up there uh, over the last number of years in restoring it and bringing it back to, to life. And, and not just making it, a tourist attraction, but also making it a very important amenity for, for North Cork. And again, you know, uh, 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 the Bale Doris, uh, the people next door, uh, a lot of people from South Limerick use it as well, and I, I know a lot of people from West Tipperary use it. Um, yeah, and it fantastic. is fantastic. And a magnificent amenity, but the restoration work that has been completed in the house is really top class, and it brings back to life what this great house would have looked like and what it would have felt like uh, when it was in its prime. And importantly as well, you know, the links out into the street um, and Donnerill being one of those 10 towns and villages um, that grew up around in the state. And you can see if you walk the street, uh, the cheek by jowl with the great house, what it means. So I would say that for, for bus operators, for bus companies, for tour operators, uh, and for people that are looking at planning uh, holidays into Ireland, uh, that this will bring people off of the beaten track uh, into a part of North Park. And indeed, as, as a result of that, into South Limerick, because they're both connected to Ballyhora, uh, that the two will really be, be, be benefited. And um, it's a massive investment. And we have further investment plans. There's an orangery up there, and um, similar to the one in the National Botanic Gardens of Dublin. Uh, my ambition is that we would start, hopefully, a project in that in the not too distant future and continue the investment program that we've just completed now uh, in Donnerail into, into, the, into the next phase, which will be the orangery and further improvements of the house. Okay. All right, Patrick. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme today. Thanks, Patricia Bueno. Bye-bye. Good afternoon to you. That is Minister of State with responsibility for the OPW. That is Patrick O'Donovan with the good news for people in McCroom that the new uh, Garda station is now to go ahead and it will be funded from the the Exchequer. Uh, Somebody says, no point having a new Garda station when they're not tackling the boy racers. We're back to that again. People are really not happy about boy racers in the town of uh, McCroom. That needs to be uh, dealt with. The situation has got extremely much worse since the bypass uh, opened. 0818 uh, 103 103. Leo Varadkar, this is on the Matt Barrett uh, story. Uh, Leo apologised yesterday for what his partner says and he said, let's just say Matt won't be doing anything like that again. So it looks like he got a right ticking off from a Leo Varadkar. 0818-103-103. Uh, John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. I want to bring you the winner of our competition. I need to do that. The question we asked is, man, I feel like a woman was a hit for which pop star? It was, of course. The answer was B, Shania Twain. And our winner today is Rachel Kohan 
from Lizavard in Clonakilty. Rachel Kyohan, Lizavard, Clonakilty. Congratulations to you, uh, Rachel. You and three of your friends can head to the biggest 90s and noughties disco at the INEC in Killarney on Saturday, the 27th of May. We've more tickets to give away every day this week. And if you want to purchase tickets, you can. You just go to biggestdisco.com. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boerbui, joining us on this sunny Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And myself and Ken on the breakfast show this morning, we were just talking about, because we're both the early risers, just saying it's so lovely to get up in this daylight and when you look out and you see a blue sky and the sun is shining, everybody's mood gets lifted, doesn't it? It's like we've come out of the dark winter. It's, it, winter time really does affect all of us in some way. It certainly does, yeah. There's a, so, a, bit of, um, a bit of sunshine in our lives. Yeah, and it's good. the forecast yeah. is good for the week, so we'll take that. Now, we're going to we talk... Will. We're talking today about uh, lifestyle. And yeah. you want people to reflect on our lifestyles, looking at all different aspects of our lives. Yeah, yeah. There's um, eight or nine or ten headings, like, uh, you know, where I live, uh, fun, recreation, um, uh, romance, friends, family, health, um, uh, finance, uh, job, career... You know, how how am I with each one of those aspects in my life? And, um, yeah, I, I was doing an old exercise on it, like rating each one from not, which would be, it's um, it's a disaster area, uh, to uh, 10, that it's heavenly perfect, or somewhere in between, like 5 or 6 or, or whatever. And the ones that are very, quite a bit down then, that, like, what what can I do? to make doors uh, better. Um, like, what what steps could I start with even today? And, um, uh, yeah, to, so, okay. to improve doors, so, I think. So we're going, huh? to, we're going to go through each one, and, and the first yeah. one is, is your home place. Now, obviously, yeah. if you've got somebody li- listening who's living in a hotel room because uh, the lack of housing at the moment, they would be rating their satisfaction level at zero. Absolutely, and... You know, my God, uh, seeing the stuff on the telly there about um, the people living outside the IPO office in Dublin in tents and the um, the uh, the levels of um, intolerance and uh, uh, the whole thing is really um, very hard to uh, associate with our country. Um, and you know, I heard one of the asylum seekers who was caught up in the middle of all of that when the, when the things were set on fire on Friday, he was interviewed by one of the national uh, radio stations the following day. And, you know, they were saying, how frightened were you? Because, you know, it was quite intimidating. And uh, he said, I wasn't as frightened as I would have been in my own country. So he still thought, right. you know, which to me was really sad to see yes. what has that man had to flee in order to get here that he felt well, yeah. it wasn't as well. Anyway, sorry, we, we digress. So, yeah. you, so, you, so, so you rate uh, where you live. Now, obviously, somebody in homeless yeah. accommodation yeah. is doing their very best to get out, out of it, uh, and that's all that they can do. Yeah, and the other side of it then, like, on a, on a much more, um, you, you could nearly call it frivolous level in a way, like, 
you know, does the place need a rubber paint now that we're into the coming into the summer? Um, you know, does the hedge need a bit of cutting? Does the grass need a bit of, you know, that kind of thing? Um, am, I, am I happy with the home place um, at, at the moment? Um, okay, and, so uh, there's things you could do to improve it. Exactly. Yeah, and, okay. and if there are, well, why, when, when will I get cracking and do that? Um, I, I had that down at an eight. Um, fun and recreation in my life. Now, unfortunately, I had that down at a three uh, because uh, I've been crocked with the old hip replacement and all that. Yeah. And um, it's been a long time since we were at a play or a concert or indeed um, on a holiday. So that has taken a serious dip. And, but there's uh, and a I'm reason. Hoping, but there's hmm? a re- there's a reason for the dip. There's a reason for the dip, indeed. But now that uh, things are coming around a little bit, um, uh, you know, um, yeah, we're we're going to we're going to up our game there and make a few changes, and um, uh, and that's going to happen, um, and it's going to happen very soon. So uh, if I was talking to you with the very same heading of fun and recreation in a fortnight's time. I hope that I would be quoting a much higher number. And fun, now, fun and recreation, I'm conscious of people, cost of living, doesn't have to cost anything. I mean, it's a beautiful day today. I was just speaking with Minister Patrick O'Donovan about the gorgeous uh, Donnerell Court for people who live near that, a walk yeah. around there. If you're down in West Cork, get out and go to the beach. You know, there's, you can have fun and recreation, it doesn't have to cost you anything. Indeed it doesn't. And um, uh, I was only talking there a while ago now uh, with Mary. I was saying that I'm going for a walk. Um, I'm, I'm free for quite a bit of the afternoon. And uh, off I'll go for a walk and that will do the hip uh, very... World of good. Uh, world of good. And, um, and it will do the mood a world of good as well. Okay. And, and that brings us on to like personal growth, which is a kind of, uh, you know, what, what, what does that entail? Well, I suppose it entails um, my way of thinking, um, my um, my sense of gratitude, my sense of um, changes that I would like to make, some referring back to the fun and recreation too. Um, you know, how, how is my thinking? Am I... Am I uh, am I embracing resentment, or am I re- embracing um, gratitude? Uh, am I seeing the uh, uh, the good things in my life um, uh, as against uh, the the downside, which we all have, but uh, we maybe don't want it to take over? Okay. Um, so I, I'd be rating that at the moment now um, up around seven. Okay, that's good. Um, relationship. Um, my satisfaction level with the the main relationship in my, in my life, I better be careful now, mm-hmm. um, I'd be putting that down at, you know, eight. Um, and again, eight. for people who might be rating it slightly lower, is there something you can do to put the spark back in that relationship? Absolutely. Or is there... Um, is there a conversation that maybe needs to be had about a recent maybe bit of a row? Or is there a need to say, come here, I was a bit sharp there the other day, sorry about that. Or um, maybe to uh, challenge someone in the sense of that I, I felt upset the other day when you said that. And um, 
and that maybe something can get um, resolved. So, yeah. yeah. So, the next bit then would be friends. Now, I think an awful lot of friendships have suffered uh, as a result of COVID and all that. People that we used to meet, um, people that uh, we were much, much more maybe uh, in contact with, um, you know, have I let things slip in that line? Are there a few phone calls that I could make? Um, are there a few arrangements that I could make? It doesn't have to be an awful big deal. It could be meeting someone for a cup of coffee. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would rate that up there now, um, uh, up around, you know, seven, uh, because recently I did do something about that, and I met someone that I hadn't met for years um, in Cork, and we sat down with an old cup of coffee, and we went over, you know, what's been happening in the meantime, and uh, and I was glad that that happened. Yeah, I had I have to say I had a catch up last uh, yesterday evening with a friend who uh, called around to the house, and we had a good old natter, and it was great, and I felt great after it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it, it I, is just, I was the very same coming back that day. No, it's just great, and yeah. and also you know reach out to to friends who maybe are not in a good place at the moment. Yeah. I, have a, I have a friend going through a difficult time at the moment, and like that because of COVID and everything, we kind of lost contact. And I've I've reached out lately, and 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 she. You know, she just needs a bit of support at the moment, and I'm I'm glad to be able to uh, to be there for her. But just be aware of what can be going on in other people's lives as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then yeah. family satisfaction—that's within our own household and yeah. ex- an extended family. An extended family yeah. too. I mean, a lot of us would have people that aren't living w- with us at the moment. You know, we'd have two in Cork. We'd have. Um, uh, one in uh, Belfast, and we'd have one in uh, Cayman Islands, and um, yeah, we do stay very much, very much in touch. There wouldn't be hardly a day go by without a text message. No big deal, but like, how are you? How are things? Um, and 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 that. So um, I I would be I, I'd be putting down an eight there, and glad to do that. Okay. And then health. Well, at the moment now, I'd be putting down a five because it hasn't been great, and um, but things are getting a bit better. But yet, um, you did something about it by getting the hip operation. Well, there is that. You know, there is that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I recently um, uh, upped my thing completely by I can manage to put on my right shoe, <laughs> and now my goal in life is my right sock. And when I get to the right sock, Patricia, that. That uh, number will go up again. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, and again with health, you've got to look after your own health. Does it mean a trip to the doctor? You know, yeah. does it mean cutting back on something? Maybe cutting back on the alcohol, maybe giving up the cigarettes. Yeah. Does it mean losing a bit of weight, getting out and exercise? Again, there are all things in that particular aspect of our life that we can change ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, I was chatting with my GP last um, uh, Tuesday morning this day week, and um, you know the the prescription was book a holiday. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so I said, "We'll do." Okay, and then money. Now, this, well, this finances. Is a, this I is mean, a, yeah, that's this something is... that has a uh, uh, um, uh, you know it colours all of the above really. Um, uh we we're all noticing um the um the the cost of living back in the winter there it was you know i was astounded at some of the 
um, uh, oil and um, uh, electricity bills. And, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, thank God, uh, the, you know, there was no bill that couldn't be met, uh, which is uh, I'm very grateful and thankful for. But, I mean, um, you know, we, we hear the stories of people who are just simply finding the whole thing um, uh, rather overwhelming. And um, if the income coming in is, <coughs> excuse me, is less than the um, the outlay going out, well then, um, you know, that's tough going. And um, I, I suppose we all have to do a kind of a, a bit of budgeting and wondering uh, what's on and what's uh, and and what what needs to be. Um, uh, dealt with in some other way like and, the cutback or what and we often say to people who are really struggling particularly people with families things that don't have enough food on the table there are wonderful charities out there you know we've got Cork Penny Dinners we've got all the local St Vincent de Paul conferences there's lots of people out there that can help you particularly if you're you know if you're really getting bogged down with financial problems you know just don't bury your head in the sand reach out there is help available yeah because, um, um, you know, getting depressed and doing uh, nothing about it won't help. Whereas um, if we reach out, we will be uh, very pleasantly surprised, maybe. But um, definitely there is an awful lot of help available out there. And it's no disgrace whatsoever to say, look, I need a bit of help with this I'm right struggling now. now. Yeah, your day will come back around and then you'll be able to, to help in reverse. Absolutely. And then the final one is uh, somebody's job and career. Now, yeah. again, are you satisfied with it? And if not, what do you need to do? Yeah, yeah. Do I need to think about changing? Do I need to think about, um, you know, changes in staying in the job? Do I need to change jobs completely? Um, is there something I can do within the job that would make it, um, you know, uh, uh, cutting down on the stress and um, improving the satisfaction level? I'd be putting that down myself now uh, today at about eight. OK, and, that's, good. Um, that's hmm? good. That's good. That's high. Absolutely. Yeah, you love your job. Absolutely. I, I, and I'm very grateful for yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm the same. OK, we're going to leave it there. Listen, Joe, have a lovely week. Get out for your walk and enjoy it while the sun is shining and we'll talk again next week. We will indeed. Provision. Thanks a million. Bye bye. That is Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohapui. His number is 086-834-8145. 086-834-8145. Well, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG. G. I. E.